I was doing some math, and this is what it looks like when I do math, okay? Uh, and the question in my mind was, uh, how much time, like what percentage of our time, if you will, do we spend at work? Okay, after all that graphing, I came up with, of your waking hours, you spend roughly 50% of your time at work. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of your time. By the way, of course, I'm kidding. I'm not going to. It was, you know, uh, <laughs> below middle school math, right? But it was, you know, so about 50% of your time we spend at work. Um, that's, uh, that's a lot of time, right, uh, that, that one spends in, in the workplace. And, uh, and so today's morning, today's message, if you will, this morning, we're going to be talking about that time. And it's going to directly apply then to a lot of our lives. Um, I'd encourage you, though, to, if you're not sort of currently employed, maybe you're a student, uh, this actually applies in your relationship as a student to your teacher, for example. So it's not just for the employer-employees, even though that's what I'm going to be talking about the most, but it's in other relationships along those lines as well. So we're going to camp out in our Bibles. I would encourage you to open up to uh, 1 Timothy 5. And then we're going to make our way to 1 Timothy 6, where we're going to be talking today. So if you open to 1 Timothy 5, this is, um, you know, this is where we've been as part of uh, our overall series on 1 Timothy on, uh, that, that Dave has entitled, Dwell Well in the House of God. Right? So it's, very, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book that's very applicable to our daily lives and to how do we dwell well in the house of God. Now, if you look at 1 Timothy 5, uh, if you look at verse uh, 1 and 2 and 3, and I'm going I'm to read those, um, again, just to give us context, just to give us instructions. So in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, it goes like this. It says, do not rebuke an older man. Okay, so that's a category. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Then verse 3 says, honor widows who are truly widows. And so the, the message that we had here a couple weeks ago was, you know, you love and we love different types of people differently, right? So the way we show love towards an older man or towards younger men or towards widows, those differ based on those different classes of people, if you will. And that was, um, and you know, that, that was Dave's, uh, that was Dave's message. There was, you know, loving, loving people differently. And um, and then if you, you know, if you keep going, uh, if you keep going down the book, if, and if you look at something like verse seventeen, we then come to another category of people. In verse seventeen. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And, and, there's, um, and, you know, and that's talking about how do we take care of our pastors? How do we pay them and so on? Um, and then also how we treat them. So if there was, um, you know, how do, how do we go about, about appointing an elder, for example? There was instructions on that towards the end of uh, 1 Timothy 5, there's this deep consideration in terms of what happens if there's an accusation brought to an elder. So, so this is, so that whole chapter, if you will, the whole 1 Timothy 5, 
is this overall context of honoring and taking care of various people groups. Okay, so with that as background, we're going to finish up here with instructions for the church where it's giving us instructions on what it means to work well in the house of God. So in the ser- our series is dwell well, today is work well. How does one work well in the house of God? And we're going to see how it all fits together. And in this area, we're applying honor here as well, in similar to how we were in the beginning in 1 Timothy 5. Now, I have to say, you know, as I was preparing for this message, uh, and my community group knows this you know, more than most, but as I was preparing for this message, man, I need to hear what I'm about to preach most of all. Like, it's often the case, right? Like when you get a chance to preach, and it's an honor for me to do that, I speak for myself as much as anybody else. And this one, uh, so I'm employed sort of outside of the church, and, it's, and I spend a lot of time in my work. Um, it's, you know, it's really close to my heart. And so, um, so know that as I'm talking to you this morning, like I'm, I'm preaching and it's convicting to me in terms of as I, what I'm saying and it's how I'm preparing for it. Okay. So with all that, we're going to come to our verse of the morning, and I'm going to just take time to, to read it, and, uh, and I hope that you would follow along with me, either on the screen or in your Bibles. So 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 through 2, it goes like this, and this is the Word of God. Let all who under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who, are believing, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So that's our verse of this morning. Actually, before I jump into this, I'm going to pray. Um, Father, we come before you, Lord, and in this uh, timely and applicable part of Scripture. I pray that you would give us the hearts to hear, give me the, the words to say. Uh, I pray for both those listening right here in person and those listening um, through the wonders of technology online. Um, help us, Lord, at the end of the day to take away what you would have us change uh, and how you would have us live rather than necessarily the words I'm saying, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is our outline for today. I'm going to do historical context that's really important. Um, And then we're going to talk about how do we treat our employers with honor. There's a bit of, or a lot of the why. A lot of this is predicated on why. Like, why are we talking about this? And why do we do the things that we've been instructed to do? Um, I want to spend time than talking about the day-to-day, like how do you apply this in your everyday life? I'm going to give some examples from my life, um, and maybe some of those will, will, will apply to you as well. Um, and, you know, and then verse 2, right, has a section on believing employers, so we'll spend a little bit of time there, and we'll end our time with uh, summarizing it all. So that is, that's this morning for us, and, uh, and we'll start with historical context. So 
So to make it to make this applicable, right? Because as you read the verse, right? There's you know, uh, there's this, uh, you know bond servants and masters, right? But uh, but to make it applicable to us and to understand it, we really have to understand the historical context and understand those bond servant and master words that are being used. Okay, so bond servant is actually a really good translation for it, even though the actual word used is slave. But bond servants is a really good one because this isn't the slavery that we sort of know about today and, and understand, uh, understand fairly well. This is not the, the, the evil, despicable practices um, that we're still unfortunately fighting in, you know, in many parts of the world. That's, that's not quite what this is. Um, this is actually a little bit more equivalent to something like, uh, like bonded service. So for example, if you're going to be repaying a loan, such as a mortgage, there's this idea of you take out a loan and you're in, you're in, you know, you're in bonded service to that. Or maybe you're working to pay off a debt. Or maybe you're doing some contracted work, right? Like NFL players or others, you know, they'll, they'll sign a contract and then you're bonded to that contract. It's this, it's this kind of context. So, so you might sign an employee agreement and, and you, you, you have this, this, this contract. In the Roman world, uh, so back in biblical times and in the Roman world, about 50% of people, as, as best as I understand, were classified as such, that having this, this bond-servant uh, relationship, if you will. So that is how society worked back then. If you think about the closest thing we have to that today, it's kind of how society works for us today in that employer-employee relationship. The other thing to be said here is that you know these were, um, you know these were loved members of the household. I couldn't find a better picture for loved members of the household, so I went with that one. Um, but 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 really, there can be a very close relationship in biblical times between the bond servant and the master, if you will. Um, and I want to—I'm going to give you an example, uh, just so, so you know. I'm not—I'm not just making that up. So, in um, in Genesis 15, you can turn there if you'd like to, but um, but I'll move through it kind of quick. In Genesis 15, verse one, here's the word that came to Abram. Now, for context, this was before Abraham had his sons, but so Abraham was child, childless at that time. So, so here's what Genesis 15 says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Okay, and this is the verse I want you to catch in verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So, Abraham didn't have any children at the time. The heir of everything that he, sort of his very sizable possessions was Eliezer of Damascus. This Eliezer is actually his bondservant. This is the servant that he sends to get, uh, to find Rebekah as a wife for his son Isaac later on in the Bible, right? So, so the relationship between, between them was so close that he, that this bondservant was due to receive all of his inheritance. So these are very sort of well-paid employees, if you will, much more than day laborers at the time. And not only that, but their families had to be taken care of by their master, by their employer. So this was actually often a position 
to be sought. It was good to be a bondservant of a, you know, a, in, you know, in this time and day. Now, there are other... There are also other places in the Bible that the, that the word is used. In fact, there are lots and lots and lots of places. Um, but just to keep getting a sense of that relationship, we're referred to as servants of Jesus Christ, as bondservants of Jesus Christ. And so there's nothing about Jesus that, is, uh, that would imply that he is a bad <laughs> ruler, if you will, right? In fact, he's the, the best one we could possibly have. And so, uh, so, for example, Romans 1 would say that Paul is a servant of Christ Jesus. In Jude, we're told that Jude is a servant of Jesus Christ, right? So, so there really is this very close relationship between sort of bond servant and master, if you will, in those biblical times. Um, and so then to apply that and bring it all to us, the closest picture is really that relationship between an employer and an employee, and that's how we're gonna, and that's how we're gonna approach this passage. That's the way we're gonna think about it. Um, and, uh, and, and, and again, if, you, if you're not in that relationship today, but you might be a student or, you know, or something different, but think of it in those kinds of terms. Um, I'll say just one more thing. Like, as there is abuse in employer-employee relationship today, of course there was abuse back then too. We're, we live in a sinful world, but the system itself was not necessarily uh, conducive to such. So, we have that historical context in our back pocket, and I'm going to be referring to employers, boss, manager, maybe I'll slip up and say the word master, but all of it, like I mean in this, in this context that we've just been talking about. So, with that, it brings us to the next part, which is how do we treat our employers? And that, that's in verse 1. Um, and we're to treat our employers with honor, with honor. Let's let that sink in just for a little bit, because honor, that word, it's the same one in First Timothy 5 that it's talking about how you were to treat the widow. You're to treat widows with, with honor and honor widows who are truly widows. It's also the same word that is in, in how we treat our elders, okay? And it says, let elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, right? So it's that same relation, that same word. To me, like, I'm like widows, like, wow, of course, like honor, you know, our elders, you know, of course, I'm going to do that. But wow, also our bosses, that's it's that same word that's being applied, right? Like, it, like there's no difference. There's no difference. Um, so it's, to me, that's huge. Like it's the same category. So being a Christian doesn't give you a right to mistreat or despise non-believing employers. So like, think about it for yourself, right? How do you treat your boss? How do you treat your boss? Do you count them as worthy of all honor? And do you give that to them? Do you submit to them? Do I submit to them? Do we, do we give obedience when it comes, of course, to the things that aren't sinful, right? We're not talking about it like, you know, they ask you something sinful, right? 
but in sort of generally the day-to-day, -day, right? Uh, do we treat them as such? And it's, you know, it's on purpose, right, that I have Michael Scott there as the, as the boss for those that watch The Office, right? Like, you know, as a boss, you know, he, you know, sometimes good, most of the time he's really bad, right? But it doesn't matter. Like, it, it, like, it doesn't matter the kind of boss that, that he is. Like, this is regardless of the person that you, like, this is regardless of their personality. This is one of those commands, if you will, to us, one of those encouragements where no matter what they do, you have to look to you. What do you do? How do you, how do you act? Because ultimately, ultimately, you're actually not working for them. Okay? You're not working for them. You're working for God. And we're going to spend a lot of time this morning looking at that. Uh, you are working for God. I am working for God. So, the why. Why do we treat our employers with honor? And I'm going to do a little bit of a detour because, you know, uh, I want to start with why do we work to begin with. So a little bit about the sort of doctrine of work, if you will. Like, why do we work to begin with? Because, you know, if we don't have to work, then there's no employer to speak of, right? And, and you don't need to treat employees in any kind of way. Uh, you know, since you don't have an employer. So before I show some, some things on, on the screen, I'm going to do a little audience participation, okay? What, uh, give me some common reasons. Why do people work? And like, you don't have to think like overly spiritual, just, you know. Money, that's what somebody said money, right? Harrison, yeah, money, of course. What else? To eat, yeah, that's right, yep, you work to eat, uh-huh. Purpose, that's a good one, uh-huh. To buy a car or to have insurance, that's right. <laughs> yeah, all those are really good reasons. Like, those are really good. Like, that, that's absolutely right. That's why people work. So, um, so here, I have a few, a few pictures. Yep, like, first, first answer is money. Look, I mean, she looks very happy. She's holding a bunch of money, right? Like, you know, you, you work for, for money. Another one uh, could be social recognition. Right, for those that don't know, that's Mr. Beast. Andres had him up. Uh, he's got like, what, 80 million followers? I don't know. He's got a lot of followers. Uh, he's also rich, so it's money and social recognition. Um, you know, uh, I think Rob, you know, you kind of said it, Rob, too, but just this idea of, uh, you know, you utilizing skills, right? You're learning more. Um, I'd add things like job satisfaction, things like, you know, to earn respect. Um, so all, all those are reasons why we, why we work. I'm going to go a little bit deeper on one of them, though, because I think whenever you, you, you say, you know, why do you work, perhaps the first thing that comes to our mind is money, okay? And money can be such a big deal. In fact, it's going to be treated later on in First Timothy. You know, Dave will preach on that uh, in a few weeks. But, um, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to play a game, okay? So it's still audience participation time. Um, so the game is called Guess the Net Worth, okay? How much are people worth? Net worth is like, what are your assets? Sort of how much money have you made, if you will? Um, and I'm going to put up some people, and I'll ask you to guess, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So let's see. This man, all right? Oh, and if you, if you know what they're famous for, that would be great. You can shout that out. So tell me, what do you think they're famous for, and how much money do you think they have? Rob. They're, yeah, that's right. They're famous for Apple. Yep, right, yep. And how much, roughly? 
Oh, okay, no, 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 don't go there just yet. But like, while they're like, while they're alive, how much, how much, uh, you know, they have in today's money, roughly? Twenty-three and a half billion. Okay, close. Ten, ten point two, roughly. Uh, okay, the next one, Paul Allen. What is he famous for? Microsoft. That's right. And what, what about his rough net worth? Tw- close. Twenty billion. Twenty billion. Um, okay. The next one, Henry Ford. What is okay? He's famous for Ford. Uh, how much? That, uh huh. That's right. In, in very much in that range. How about this one? I, did, I wonder if, if many know of Rockefeller. What is he famous for? Oil. That's right. And how much? How much? Hundred billion. No. So it's actually four in today's dollars. Four hundred billion. So he's like by far the richest person I know of ever. Like more than than Musk and so on. So these are like. Super rich people, highly influential. Some of you guys sort of jumped ahead when saying they're worth nothing. But, but let me just say, look, you know, we throw out some big numbers, right? But it's really hard for us, I think, to grasp what a billion actually is. So, uh, so $1,000, I think we can grasp, most of us can grasp that. And there's a million dollars, right? So there's a big difference between a thousand and a million, right? Think about what you can do with a thousand dollars, right? It won't even buy you a car, right? It'll get you, you know, it's nice. And think about a million, right? Like that's, you know, most people can retire in a million, etc. So that distance, if you will, is a similar distance between a million and a billion, okay? So we're talking about sort of amounts of money that these folks have had that is, um, I don't know, beyond imagination for many of us. But besides being rich and famous, what did they all have in common? James, I know you want to say it. <laughs> They're all dead, Right? Like, they've all passed away, right? And, so, uh, and so, so they no longer have the money, right? Uh, you, you can't take it with you. So then if tons of money, right? Like we said, hey, why do we work, right? First thing, money. First thing, money. But, like, that, that can't all be it, right? Because, you know, some of the richest people in history, like, they no longer have it, right? And so you can't take it with you. And so... I will say that, you know, in our take two, if you will, of why we work, you know, what you do reflect on God and is for his glory. And, and please don't hear any of this as like, it's bad to have money and all that. Like, not at all. Right? Like, that, that's, you know, God has blessed you in however different various ways. One of those could be money. That's okay. Um, so now, we too, right, regardless of our net worth, if you will, will one day pass away or the Lord will come back? Like, those are the two options, all right? I'm sorry. Like, there's just no other two options available when it comes to this. So, why do we work continued? (laughs) Number one, it's to bring God glory, okay? That's why we live our lives, right? We live our lives to bring God glory and enjoy him forever. And, you know, through the complex math that I was talking about in the beginning of the service, since we spend so much of our time at work, it then goes to, to show that in how you live your life, you're to glorify God. And so in how you work, you're to glorify God. And I am to glorify God. You know, if you're, like, let's say you're an executive, right, on earth, congratulations, that's awesome. But you're not going to be an executive in heaven. Uh, or you're an entry-level employee on earth, that's great. But you're not an entry-level employee in heaven. 
However, how you will be rewarded in heaven is by how you spend your time. And if you spend so much time at work, like I was saying, like how you work, that is your ministry. That is what brings God glory. And so then, you know, when we talk about honor your earthly boss, that is one of the ways that you bring God glory is by honoring your earthly boss. Because remember, like you're not working for yourself, right? When, like so many of those things, right, that we say that are important to why we work, like those are self-centered. And that's like, I, I have those too, but that's not the primary reason. Like we work, what we do is for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. So we are bond servants of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that's one reason. Let's keep adding. So reason number two. We work because God created us to work. This is really important. So, um, you know, God works also. So we're creating God's image. He created us to work, and God works. Right? This all happened before the fall. Work was not a result of the fall. Work was something that was pre-fall. So, um, so in Genesis 2.15, you know, uh, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Okay, there's nothing particularly spiritual about working a garden and keeping it and taking care of animals and doing the kinds of, you know, pruning the trees in Eden, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know, I wasn't there. But, um, but there's nothing particularly spiritual about that. It was, it was work that God had asked Adam and charged him to do. Could God have created Eden and just said, Adam, this grass is the most comfortable in all the world. I created the world. I guarantee you this is the most comfortable grass. You lay on it, enjoy, look at the sky, look at the sun. You don't have to do anything. You know, even the food, I'm just going to put next to your arm. You just sit there. I mean, God could have done any of that. He didn't, right? God created Adam to work and to show God's image as he was doing that. I find that really interesting because it's pre-fall. Um, all right, next reason. You know, we also work because God uniquely equipped us to do so. And to serve others in the process. So God provides you and me with unique talents, skills, and he calls us to particular roles, um, you know, roles and activities. Now, the roles might seem like they're different in importance, but our calling, if you will, is equal. There's no second class. There are no second class jobs from God. There are no second class callings. So... And, and the way we're worthy of this is if we just do it all for the glory of God. And we look to him for our leadership and for our strength. And, and you know, and God has created you know, a, a wide variety of different ways that we can show him glory through what we do. And he has created you uniquely to do that. There's, um, in Exodus 31, a lot of Old Testament today. Kind of fun. In Exodus 31, uh, I'm going to read it. It says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord, so God calls out a particular person. 
And it says, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. All right, now catch this. So I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft, and, so, and, and on and on it goes. So, so God is calling a person to do work, like not to be a priest or, or, or a pastor, if you will, but to just work in the house of God. <clears throat> so, so no matter what, no matter what the role is, if you will, whether pastor or the myriad of other uh, work that we have available to us, that's, you know, that's something that you do for God and we're called by God. At the end of the day, we work for God. And I'll encourage, I'll encourage you to open up to Ephesians 6, um, and, uh, and then we'll finish up this section on that. So in Ephesians 6, it says, actually, do I have that as an item? Okay. So in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8, it goes like this. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. And catch verse 8, really important. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bond servant or free. So man, you are called, we are called by God. We are rendering service to God, to the Lord. And whatever good that we do, we receive back from the Lord. There's nothing there that says you're going to get a ton of money or you're going to be able to get the next Tesla or whatever else might be on your heart. Like, that's not there. It's just you're going to receive good back from the Lord because at the end of the day, this is your ministry and this is how you glorify God. One of the major ways because we spent so much time there. Um, you know, you're not, you're not more holy for being a pastor, right? Uh, you're not more holy for being uh, you know, a doctor in the ER that's saving you know, lives you know, at a, you know, I don't know how often ER doctors save lives. I, I don't know. Um, but I imagine a lot. And I imagine that's very fulfilling. But that's not necessarily more holy than any other job that you might be able to do. So, it, like, for me too, like, I've worked uh, quite a few years now. And, uh, you know, at the latest place that I work now, at, at the latest company that I work, like, I've put in a very significant way, like, a piece of myself in what we've done. Right? I, and I think in a similar way that a pastor would pour into or their, their work. I th- like, I think our, our rewards, that like God will reward us based on that work and, and being honoring and glorifying God in it all. Of course, like, not putting it as an idol, but I think, you know, even as a, as a pastor, you could make that an idol versus actually glorifying God. So I don't know that the danger is any less. Okay. So let's, let's get into the, the day-to-day a little bit here, which is... Um, you know, which is, how does the rubber meet the road? So I want to talk about how you do well in the workplace. Like, how do you stay in the workplace and stay in a way that glorifies God? 
Uh, and I'm actually also going to talk about how do you leave the workplace in a way that glorifies God. So, uh, <clears throat> so in 1 Timothy 6, in verse 1 again, we're back in 1 Timothy 6. Uh, it's, you know, the reason is, like, the way you do that is so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. So there's a lot of ministry here. <clears throat> so what if you have a terrible boss? Like all the better, right? Your character, your quality, your ethics, right? And how you conduct your work, that is foundational to how you are to, to be in the workplace. So uh, because, again, like, we're going to be judged and rewarded accordingly. Um, so how can this mindset, if you will, the mindset of, man, I'm here for God, and I'm here to honor him no matter what, how can that mindset help? So for me personally, uh, and I actually struggle with this uh, quite a bit, um, though lately it's been a lot better, which is, um, you know, if I, I, I tend to have a job that is stressful, I would say like many of people here, um, and uh, and so, how do you how do you handle that? How do you handle that in a way that glorifies God? For me, it's taken seventeen years uh, to be at a place where it finally sinks in more that I'm working for God, and it's about what He thinks rather than the the, day to, the up and downs of the day to day. And I think that brings glory to God. If you look at Colossians 3, and that's on the screen, you can just follow with me. Uh, Again, think of it in the day-to-day. We obey everything in those who are your earthly masters. This is what what you're doing at work. You're obeying them not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, you work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's, that's how we are to be in the workplace. You know that from the Lord you will receive inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. You're not, you're not going after the next promotion necessarily. Like that's, that's fine if you are, right? But that's not the ultimate reason. But you're, you're, you're not working for that reward. You're working for the reward that you know that from the Lord you're going to receive the inheritance as a reward. Like, we looked at all those sort of rich and famous people. You know, I have no idea where they are, you know, where they're spending their eternity. But that's the longer part. Like, that's the part that matters. And I hope for them, and I hope for me, that the way I carry myself through the workday is such that it glorifies God. Because eternity is at stake, not the sort of uh, one's net worth, if you will. I'm going to give you an example from my, so from, from my workplace. Um, I, uh, we, you know, we build products for a technology company. That's what I do. And, uh, and it was time for us to pitch a product that we wanted to build. So my team and I, we wanted to do something. It turns out that, uh, again, as many of you that, that are in the workplace would know, we want to do this much, but we're able to do less. There's just much more that you want to do than you're able to do. And so you have to prioritize what you do. And so we're building our case. Hey, this is what we want to, what we want to go build. And we really wanted to do it. And one of, my, um, you know, one of my employers comes to me and says, hey, uh, sorry, one of my employees comes to me and says, hey, I have this new piece of information. I'm like, great. What is it? Well, it's not good for our case. If we put this forward, it means that we might not get to build this product that we really want to build. So, great. What do you want to do? Really easy. 
Really easy. I'm here to glorify God, not man, right? Like, of course, put that information on there. We'll figure it out. Like, we're going to be honest. We're going we're gonna to treat ourselves, uh, you know, in a way that we're not going to sear our consciences, right? So that's what, so that's what we do. And, and again, this is like a really small example. But man, there are examples like this where you can go one way or another every single day. Every single day. And if you remember that you're here for God and not for, sort of, not for man, I think that will help you. That will help you tremendously. And, and so that, that's how you... Uh, that's how you conduct yourself day to day. And now, some of you, like some of you, are about to enter the workforce. Some of you are in the workforce. Some of you have maybe exited. Like, it is a, at least from my personal experience, it is a a myth for anybody that thinks um, that you would be uh, necessarily like stepped on or not appreciated as much if you are conducting yourself in this way. That hasn't been my experience. My experience have been that these are exactly the kinds of employees. They're actually a pleasure and an honor to be around with and to work with. So even in worldly terms, it's generally good to be this way. Though, again, the reward is from the Lord, not from, uh, not from what happens uh, in the workplace on a given day. All right. So we honor our employers, and that's awesome. But, you know, is it okay to move jobs, right? Like, is that dishonoring to to our employees or to change schools or whatever we might, you know, whatever we might choose to do. Um, so even back then, even back in biblical times, uh, these relationships would have had an end time, right? So there was the year of Jubilee, everybody went, went free. And in the case of Hebrews, uh, the, the length, if you will, of this bondservant relationship was six years. Then they would, be, you know, they would go away. They would have a whole bunch of gifts that would go with them, right? So even then, there was a sort of term, if you will, to this contract. You could buy out your contract, either yourself or somebody else could buy it out for you. There were, you know, there were different things like that. And in today's world, um, in the modern world, you know, we hear about the great resignation. I don't know, how, many, how many people have heard about the term the great resignation? Oh, yeah, so that's right. So that refers to uh, like roughly 33 million Americans who have quit their jobs since the spring of 2021. They're not necessarily you know, leaving to live off the land, but they're, you know, they're leaving to, uh, to find you know, more money, different things, you know, money, location, quality of life, etc. It's, it's a bit of a transition. Like, I think, like, it's not necessarily like a whole lot wrong with that. But as you, as you might think about that, um, I would just say, hey, are you also looking at how you best honor your employer in the context of honoring God, right? And what, what would that look like? For me, well, you pray. You pray quite a bit, right, in these kinds of major life transitions. Uh, you honor, and, and then you look to honor your boss, um, when I, was, when I was changing jobs you know, a while ago, um, and, and your mileage would vary, by the way. I'm not saying, do it like this. I'm just like, hey, here are some, um, some principles. But, um, you know, as, as I was changing jobs a while ago, I actually did some things that I would, I would actually be advised not to do, right? So, for example, I talked to my boss before I even started looking. People would look, would look to you and say, like, that's crazy. Don't do that. You need to have an offer in hand. And you come and you put it on the table and you say, I'm leaving in two weeks. No, like, that's not what I did. Like, I talked to him. We had, like, we had a conversation. And, uh, and because of the relation that had been built up over the years, um, you know, we're still really close even, uh, even today. And so, so those, you know, those are just some ways, right, that to, 
to honor, just have that mindset. How do I honor God? How do I honor my boss? Pray through it and then make those decisions. Okay, let's move on to, to verse 2. This is where we get to the believing employers, and, and we're, we're, almost, we're almost done. So, uh, believing employers. So if you look at verse 2, it says, Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. So, some, so, so here, um, some might say, man, like, if only I had a believing manager. Like, that would be so much, like, so much better. Gria, you don't even know how bad my manager is. If I had a believing manager... That would, be, that would be so great. Things would be so great. Um, from, this, from this verse, like, it may not necessarily be better for you uh, because you might be tempted, right? You might be tempted to get away with things because they're a fellow believer, right? We know that we're one in Christ, right? So like, hey, like, you know, we're one in Christ. Like, how about that promotion? Or how about, you know, you overlook this bad job that I did on this project because, you know, God loves us the same. Like, those are things to, to be very careful of and to, and to stay away from. Um, because the, the relationship, even though it's one in Christ, the earthly relationship between boss and employee, if you will, it's still there. So we're still to, to give the same respect. So our equal standing in Christ does not impact our relationship to our boss. And so if, you know, if you keep reading in the verse, it says, man, rather, like, you must serve all the better. So you just like, if that was even possible, right? So we're, we're just talking about how, how, you know, how much we are to honor our, our bosses and how we are to treat work. Man, if it was even better, like you, might, you, you should serve all the better because those who benefit by your good service are believers in God and they're beloved by God. They're greatly loved by God. And that's what we are too, right? So, so the work that we're doing is for the benefit of others that are also in the kingdom, so man, like all the more, don't let that temptation of having the same standing in Christ get in the way of how you serve and how you work together. Um, and that idea of them being beloved by God, greatly loved, dear to the heart, um, that's, that's what God is toward them and toward us. Um, in First John, verse First John three, it says, "See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are." Man, the Lord is lavished like we're beloved by God. The Father lavished that love on us, that we should be called children of God. And then the verse ends with, "Teach and urge these things." Um, and that's what, like, that's what we're doing here, right? You know, here on Sundays, that's what we're doing, community group. Um, you know, we're, we're prone to forget these things, right? I'm prone to forget. You know, we need the encouragement. Like, I lose sight of the fact that I am working for God and that I'm to treat others really well. We, we have to remind each other. I think community groups are a great place where this can happen. Uh, but, of course, being in the Word and praying and just remembering how we are to treat these various relationships from all the way from the widow to the elder and so on into the to the employer so we need that we need that encouragement that teaching and urging these things so i'll end with i'll end this morning with here's some of the the key points that i that i would that i would say we we, we talked about like one like 
why do we work well in the house of God? Like, our ministry is our work, or rather our work is our ministry. There's so much time there. We're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that, you know, your employers are to be honored. Think about that picture, like we're to honor widows, we're to honor elders, we're to honor employers. Like that's, like, those are all in the same context with the same word. Our work, center it on serving others, right? God, that, that's, that's God's desire for us to give, bring, bring glory to him and bring service to others. And of course, everything that we do, everything we do in general is for the glory of God, not for our own pleasure. So that's how we work well church and uh you know and god's going to take care of the rest right at your god will take care of your eternity uh that's our ultimate retirement plan uh, right so your 401k and other things you know roth iras and so forth those are great um but our ultimate retirement plan where we're in heaven with god where there's joy at his right hand forevermore no more tears that's the retirement plan and, and God will reward us for how we treat his people and the people in the world in our daily living. And so that certainly includes our work. With that, let me, uh, let me pray for us and I'll invite, the, I'll invite the band to come up. Our Father, we, we come before you, Lord, and, and I certainly confess um, oh, that I don't have... This attitude that you are calling us to um, consistently, Lord. Um, and so I pray for me and for our church, Lord, and for those listening, that, um, that as we read your word, that you would, you would convict us and you would change our hearts and our actions, Lord. And, uh, and in the places where we spend so much time, be that the workplace, the student life, um, or activities that are uh, during retirement, whatever it might be, Lord, help us to treat those with authority over us. Help us to treat them with honor, Lord, um, because we're doing it for your glory, um, for their good, um, and at the end of the day, also for our benefit, because our benefit is when you smile on us, Lord, and, and, and it's a way to bring us, to bring you glory. I thank you that we're not doing this for salvation, um, Lord, that you have saved us by grace, by, by grace that we are saved through faith, uh, and it is not by works. Uh, and yet you're calling us to live faithfully. So I thank you for that salvation. I thank you that we are loved and beloved by you. And I pray that we go out living as such. In Jesus' name.